If you would turn to the text, scripture reading is from Genesis 26, a first few verses, but if you have your Bibles, you could have it opened there. This is an account of Isaac. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham, So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And Yahweh appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your seed, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. And I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And I will give your seed all these lands. And by your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham listened to my voice and kept my charge, my commandments my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac lived in Gerar. Amen. Compared to the wealth of materials that we have in the scriptures uh, regarding the life of Abraham and Jacob, the total amount that is given on the second generation covenant seed, Isaac, and his life is shockingly short. Sandwiched between the best known sins from Isaac's life, that would be being bound by his own father on the Mount Moriah to be sacrificed, that sin. And the next best known sin would be the sin where he is old man and he will be deceived uh, into his own wife's scheme to bless the younger. And even chapter 26 is preceded by the story of Esau selling his birthright to Jacob. So his life is really described in a single chapter. Compare that to Abraham. Compare that to Jacob. Really, Isaac's life is described in a very short manner. That's what we are going to look at, just a few verses in the beginning of chapter 26. If I could give you a profile on this man... Just gathering a few verses to see what kind of man he was. As I mentioned, he was an obedient son. But at the same time, he was very familiar with the worship of Yahweh. We do not know what and how he grew up, but the very first words that were recorded in the Bible spoken by Isaac, is on the mountain. He says, My father, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, 
But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So he was the covenant child who knew what the worship was. So he was confused. Where is the lamb? So he was an obedient son, but he knew about the worship of Yahweh God. Second thing that we learn about him, what kind of man was he? I would say he was a tender-hearted man. Genesis 24, 63 says, And Isaac went out to the field to do what? Many translations translate it as to meditate. Isaac went out to muse or meditate. When I looked up that word, it is an untranslatable word. People do not know what that word means. So people just think he went out to the field to meditate or muse. Who does that? He's not a hunter. He's more like a poet. He's a good religious man who believes in Yahweh God. So he went out to the field to muse. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, camels were coming. 2467 says this, Then Isaac brought her, that's Rebekah, into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. When he got married, he was 40 years old. So he missed his mom. And, and he was comforted through Rebecca. But by the time the next chapter, 27, Isaac is old. And he is actually blind. So he couldn't see. But a lot is in that first few verses that tells us that he is really also spiritually becoming blind. So that's how we see Isaac. So first generation Abraham, he's the one who left the whole home country all the way down in Ur, or Ur of Chaldeans, and made it to Haran, and he, tripped, he made a trip down to Canaan. You know about Jacob, Jacob's story, he was the deceiver. But he will be deceived by Laban for a long time. What do they have in common, the patriarchs? They had lived a different life. But they had the covenant of God. All of them. And what are the major themes of the covenant? When you read them, there are about three things, three themes that occur in every covenant. Promise of the seed that I talked about. It is singular. It's a good translation. With you and your seed. Hearkening back to seed of woman, 315 of Genesis and Christ, who will be the seed of woman. And attached to the promise of the seed is the land. Why? 
Because that seed will become a tribe, 12 tribes, nation. And nation will need a land, piece of land. So the seed promise, the land promise, and through it all, for what purpose? The worldwide blessing is always attached to it. And we as Christians, we know that. That is God's plan of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. The seed, the land, and the blessing, they all go together. And the very first promise is given to Abraham. And because of that promise, Isaac is included. And God makes or cut His covenant again with Isaac. Same thing will happen again with Jacob. But it all begins with Abrahamic covenant. So that's the overall background. And if you will look at verse 1 again, Genesis 26 verse 1, it says this, Now there was a famine in the land. Why is that important? Because that land is the promised land. Jacob's descendants will spend about 430 years in Egypt as slaves. But for now, they are dwelling in that promised land. But it says, now there was a famine in the land. And this is Isaac's life. Chapter 26 about his life. That's it, 26. But it begins with that news. There was a famine in the land, in the promised land. And it says, besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. When you read the rest of the chapter, chapter 26, it is shockingly similar to what Abraham went through. Especially when Isaac tells Abimelech that his wife is not his wife, but his sister. I mean, the account is very, very similar. So people read it and say, well, the author is confused. It really is Abram's life, but it is somehow confused and replicated as somehow it is Isaac's life. You could read on your own. But verse 1 says, no, I am not confused. The author is saying, this is a different famine story. So we have to go back and think about and read about Abram's famine. Genesis, 20, uh, Genesis 12 is the calling of Abram from his father's land. By this time, he is in Haran. And let me read that section for you. Verse 1, And Yahweh said to Abram, Go forth from your land, and from your kin, and from your house, father's house, to the land which I will show you. Verse 4, So Abram went forth as Yahweh had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Verse 5, Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 8. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east side of Bethel, 
And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Verse 9, And Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. And Negev, basically Hebrew word, is south. So if you look at Abram's journey in Genesis 12, he is going down south. He's moving south. Negev is the very desert place of Canaan, south. And verse 10 says this, 12.10. Now there was a famine in the land. What does he do? So, that's the key. There was famine in the land. So, because of famine, Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. So Abraham, Abram at the time, he arrives in the land. And if you look at Hebrews 11, by faith he went forth without knowing where to go. That was the act of faith. So he left Haran. But by the time he came to the land of Canaan, whatever happened, he is keep moving south. Maybe hostility from the natives, but he's moving south. He pitched the tent, but he's going farther south. But there was famine in the land. And because of that famine was severe, he went down to Egypt. What happens in Egypt? He deceives Pharaoh because Sarai was a very beautiful woman. People talked about her to Pharaoh, so Pharaoh uh, brings her in. But they already talked about it, Abram and Sarai, and said, you are my sister. That's half-truth, because she, she was half-sister. But anyway, she, he didn't want to be killed, so he said, just say, you are my sister. But through it all, in Genesis 12, the rest of the story is that he becomes rich. So he goes down to Egypt because there was famine, but he becomes rich. So Genesis 13, by the time he comes back, this is how he, the Bible describes about Abram. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Abram went down to Egypt as soon as he arrived in Canaan without consulting God. And the Bible remains silent. It does not give any kind of commentary on his move down to Egypt. He is not condemned. In fact, he becomes rich and he comes back to the same place he left his tent behind as he was a very rich man in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Why does not Bible condemn him being rich? I thought about it. This is my guess and conclusion. A small, single unit struggling family can be easily raided, robbed, and killed. 
But God had already in Genesis 12 spoke to him that to your seed I will give you this I will give this land. He already promised. So my guess is that when you grow in livestock with rich um, piles of stuff, gold and silver, he has also manpower. So in Genesis 14, when he goes to rescue his nephew, he takes how many men? It says this. He let out his trained men, born in his house, 313 in number, and went in pursuit as far as then. We think of Abram as an old man who's sacrificing his son in Moriah. But in Genesis 14, he is a military leader, probably riding camel. Riding front, behind him, 318 trained men. Trained for what? Trained for warfare. Trained to kill. 380 men bought mercenaries? No, born in his house. How could that be? We could just conjecture. Probably he took a lot of orphans, servants, their children. But 380, think about it, 380 men in his house. So, by the time Genesis 13 and 14, he is not a single family with Sarai, without children, one camel. No, he is a clan. He is an army. So he could safely dwell in Canaan because he became rich. He is able to support the entire family, families that he has. Also, my second guess, why does not Bible... The Bible does not condemn being rich is his financial independence allows Abraham maintain his faith in Yahweh. He does not have to intermarry. He does not have to obey the original inhabitants of the land to cut a deal, to do commerce, to, to, to compromise his faith. So I think that's it. Why does he become rich? Because really, for God to keep him in this land, he has to be able to sustain himself with an army, with livestock, so that people will fear him. And he is financially secure, so he could worship Yahweh as much, as often as he wants. So that's his story. Abram, I would say he was young in faith. So he went down. Because famine. I arrived famine. God told you to go to another state with job security. As soon as you arrive in Washington state, the employer says, there's no job for you. It's like that. He goes by faith to the promised land. Famine, he goes down to Egypt. But it is a different story for Isaac today. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides that previous famine. So Isaac went to Gerar. So Isaac went to Gerar. Like Abraham. So he went. Gerar. 
Where is Gerar? I looked it up in the map behind the Bible. Gerar, the Bible map says, it is really at the southernmost part of Canaan. And really, it is like a gay city for Egypt. So he went all the way down, thinking that he would go down to Egypt. That was his intention. To Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And at that time, verse 2 says, And Yahweh appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land. Three times. Do not go down. Dwell. Sojourn in this land. Three times he warns him. And at this point, it occurred to me, to inherit this land that God promised to Abraham, Abram and Isaac, Isaac must stay. By faith, Abraham left his hometown, Or and Haran. But for second generation seed, Isaac, by faith, his job is not to go to another city. By the same faith, he has to stay, stay put. You must remain here. Why? We do not know. God was silent on Abram. Later on, Jacob, when after Joseph's re-encounter, and Joseph sends the wagons back to Canaan to bring his family down. But in that chapter, God appears to Jacob, now Israel. To him he says, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. So God deals with each person in different and diverse manner. Abram, silent. Isaac, do not go down. Jacob, do not be afraid to go down. But we are talking about Isaac. Hebrews 11, 9. By faith he sojourned, that's Abram, Abram, in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Last Saturday, we had a presbytery meeting. And toward the end of our presbytery meeting, each church submits its own prayer requests. So we pray for each other and for the churches in our presbytery. And I was reading the prayer request from another church within our presbytery. And the one of the Request was this. We have lost many families uh, who were relocating to other places. And it really um, resonated with me 
And I pray for that topic alone in that meeting. And I prayed something like this. I mean, I understand. We understand. We relocate for the job or for retirement. But I pray that let our people develop their spiritual first instinct not to go down to Egypt as soon as famine hits. That's what I prayed for. Today is a uh, congregational meeting Sunday, so I am sharing something that is related to our church. Famine, at the time, you have famine, then you die. You read the good earth, the book, and you could get some sense of what the famine is like. Even my father's time, 1940s and 50s, even at that time, my parents' generation back home, they know the kind of spring famine before the harvest. For those of us who know some Chinese characters, let me tell you something that is very interesting. What do you call this land? This land is called America or United States of America. That's in English. But the regions that use Chinese character, there's two words, right? They describe this land as beautiful country. So China will call here beautiful country, two character. My home country will use the same character and use that same language to describe this land. Japanese, Japan use the same Chinese character. It is the same sounding word, but that word is different word. And Japanese will call this land as not beautiful country, same two word, but rice country. Isn't that true? If you know, you know. It sounds the same, but it, it's, it's a different way of referring to the, to the land. To Japanese, what is America? It is the land of rice. Food. I don't know when and how they came to decide upon that character. The famine is severe, and it sounds like every generation knew something about the famine. Modern-day famine would be not lack of wheat or rice, but it would be just like 2008, 2020. That's famine. And what do people think? As soon as those famine hits, people think about leaving. Famine hits, Abram goes down to Egypt. I know it's a bad hermeneutic, but to me, Florida is Egypt. <laughs> as soon as hardship hits, 
people here, they want to relocate to Florida or New Jersey. Is moving wrong? Obviously not. But what I am pointing out is the sequence. Famine is out of your control. There's nothing you could do about it. Abram had his young faith, did what he had to do. We don't know why commentators, they guess why God stopped Isaac from moving down to Egypt. But we know God is wise. It is not revealed why he said, don't go. But if I may, if we may take a guess, knowing who he is, Isaac, he's a tender-hearted man. Maybe going down to Egypt, he may not come back up. He cannot inherit. I don't know. Later on, they go down and stay in Egypt for 400 years, and they come back to conquer the land and take possession of the land. But we know God is wise. In God's wisdom, it is not good for Isaac to go down. What I am pointing out to all of us is that in your thought process, we should prayerfully consider whether God intends you to relocate or move. Practically speaking, that's how small churches die. People grow old in the church. They pass away. Young families, they move away uh, for the job and family, housing, things like that. Again, moving is not obviously sin, But what I am saying is, have you brought it upon God? In the midst of famine, God directs his church with his word. God, as we have briefly talked about, God deals with each family unit in a different way. There's a diverse manners. So we cannot be dogmatic about that. It's about God's timing. It's about God's different purposes. And depending on the personalities. But I am asking this question to all of you. In your future plan is Church of Christ in that plan. The way so many people think of is, I mean, after all, churches are everywhere. But the kingdom-minded person will seriously consider whether my moving away is God's plan or not. You have to pray about it. So Isaac stays. Despite the instinct. You know how hard it is to stay. Moving away, going to new land is an exciting venture. 
So you can't really tell whether it is really by fully faith or some excitement. That's why it's easy to start something. But it is very difficult to stay the course and finish the race. Which one's harder? In my own experience, the second one is harder. So he stays put. Really, that's by faith. He obeys God. What happens afterwards? Same chapter, verse 12. And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year. What year? That's the famine year. It's not next year, but the same year. People are struggling, but that same year, 100-fold. And Yahweh blessed him. Isaac does not become rich like Abram through Abimelech in this case. Abimelech really, he doesn't, he doesn't give him really anything. But he sows and he reaps about hundred times more than anybody else in the same region. Why is that? And Yahweh blessed him. So he does not know until that time of harvest whether he will have harvest. Everyone else in the region, they are dying. Nothing is growing. So that time period, how does he endure? How do you, how do we endure? When there is a promise and there is the result of faith and God's blessing, that time. That's when you exercise faith. And the man became great and continued to grow greater until he became very great. And he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and many servants so that the Philistines were jealous of him. As I was reading Genesis this month, from beginning to the end, there is that thread that is running through Genesis. Yes, covenant promise, seed promise, land promise, blessings, all of that. But from beginning to the end, I've noticed that there is a thread of blessing or blessings. We talked about it briefly when we talked about Proverbs. We good Christians, we, we resist when we hear the word blessing. It sounds crude, it sounds earthly, it sounds fleshly, it sounds like prosperity gospel. So we do not have that comfort and peace in our hearts when we pray about it. But my conclusion is this. Blessing is the means by which God keeps his promises to his covenant people. That's my definition of blessing. God blesses his people so that God can keep his promise unto his people. It's not really about Isaac becoming great. It's not about Abram becoming great. It's not about Joseph becoming prime minister of Egypt. 
What is it? When you read blessings and blessings, obviously, ultimately, it's about Christ and spiritual blessing. But when God blesses these small units of aliens in a foreign land, it is so that His people will stay alive. Like I said, why do they become rich? So that they will have the boundary. They will not be martyred. And in those ways, God blesses. So solution, I would say, is this. The far, the far solution that we need to pray about in the time of famine is not immediately go down like so Abram went, so Isaac went to Gerar. That really is devoid of faith to me. But pray. Carefully consider. And solution really ultimately belongs to God's blessing upon your life. Going down to Florida may sound appealing to you. Housing cost is low. I mean, there, there's Disney World, uh, Universal Studios, whatever there's down there. But there's nothing but gators and hurricanes down there, okay? That's not your promised land. That's not your promised land. People will move to New Jersey because housing is expensive. Go to New Jersey. That's okay. But if you do not misunderstand, there are plenty of things that I've just said that could be misinterpreted. But if you could sense where I am coming from, we need God's blessing. That you need to seek with all your heart and mind and soul. God, I need to stay for the sake of the church. But my job is security is not good. Cost is going up. If you leave me as I am, then I have no choice but to move. But Isaac stayed, and you blessed him hundredfold. And I will boldly interpret that even as financial success. This is not hundredfold. This is not talking about spiritual blessing. This is flock blessing. Gold, silver, and servant blessing. Again, why? He needs that. Or he's going to die. Or he has no choice but to move down to Egypt and he will become an Egyptian. I don't know. We don't know. But that's what I am saying. This really is a reboot for our church. Three years ago, February first week, I started solo ministry. And by the second week of March, by third week, we were shut down, as you know. So really, this is the re-beginning for, at least for me, past three years, and we are here today. Later on, we are going to do the congregational meeting. All of that is important and necessary. But I would say, you not moving away is crucial for, for this church. If you can, pray this. Lord, grant me success For this year. This year is very important. 
very crucial. And God has been building up some momentum, momentum for this church. And you only get few times. You only get that momentum few times in, in the church. It was cut short a few times already. Uh, it was discouraging, very much so. And for us to move forward in this year, first thing is that you stay put if you can. I will not say either way. You will do what you, will have, you have to do. But consider Isaac. Consider the church. Pray for the blessings. Even if you go to Florida, if God is not with you, if God does not bless you, that's not, that's not, that's not the promised land. By faith, Abraham left. By faith, Isaac stayed. And in that way, in God's time, God's people will inherit the land that God promised. So I pray that would be the case for you, for your family, and for this church. Let's pray.